Hello and welcome to Take Two Actors Agency, the podcast. This is the podcast where we will speak candidly to industry experts and learn how their experiences can help aspiring actors, directors, casting agents, producers alike navigate the TV and film industry. Here at Take Two, we want you to get involved. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Take Two Actors Agency, where we post free material that will help you improve your acting skills. If you have any questions that you want us to post to our guests, be sure to send us a message. Hello and welcome back to Take Two Actors Agency, the podcast season two. Can you believe we are actually in season two? Um, I just want to firstly say hello and welcome to all our new followers. Um, Since we started season one, we somehow went somewhat viral on TikTok, which is a bit wild. And then Instagram got big as well. So I'm sure there's lots of new ears listening in today. So as you would have heard in the intro, the whole purpose of this podcast is really to break down the barriers of us and them. Us being the aspiring, those wanting to break into the industry, really get your first foot in versus them, those that are working. And it's not a battle, at least in Ireland anyway. Uh, It's not a battle. We want you all involved. We are rooting for you just as much as you're rooting for yourself. We've just got to find you that right role. You're not going to be right for every role, but there, there will be a role that you are the right person for. So that's what we really want to do with this podcast. And we're going to get guests from artistic directors, a little insight into who we have today, right the way through to people in casting, producers, actors. So if you haven't already listened to season one, go ahead and do that just to keep you ticking over until the next episode. But I am really excited today to welcome our first guest of season two. So we have Andrew Benvenuti, very nice name, all the way from New York City. So Andrew is the artistic director at the drama company New York City. And he is a trained actor, having attended American Music and Dramatic Academy, or AMDA, and has been cast in plays and musicals, including some off-Broadway productions, which is super duper cool. So, Andrew, hi. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining, getting up bright and early to record, given the time (laughs) difference and everything. It's a pleasure to be here virtually. (laughs) Virtually. It's so cool to be able to do this, to actually get people from across the pond and to have a chat with you all through Zoom. It's just so cool. So we are going to start today with a little icebreaker. All right. The audience get to know you. Just don't think, just say. Okay. Okay. So question one. (laughs) People always get really nervous here. (laughs) (laughs) What was the last film you watched? Uh, The last movie that I watched was actually um, uh, The King of Staten Island with... um, uh, Pete Davidson. Okay. Judd Apatow movie. Really okay. great, actually. Okay, I've seen that one. Where can people watch it? So, uh, streaming on Hulu in the US. I'm not sure about abroad, but it's streaming on, on Hulu in we the have USA. Hulu. I'm pretty sure oh, we have great. Hulu. Then you should be able to you should be able to catch it. Cool. 
So second question, who is your favorite actor at the moment? Oh, my favorite actor is always in forever Meryl Streep. She oh. can do no wrong. No always, wrong. Always in forever. I literally re-watched The Devil Wears Prada recently and I was just like, oh, and she starts talking about the blue color and I'm like, I can't remember what the name of the color is. Oh, but- I, I, I can't either. Oh. But it's... It's, it's so iconic. Yeah, it is. And I mean, yeah, she just has a way of speaking, you know, everything that she, everything that she says is just. Yeah, no, absolutely. She's, she is so iconic. Oh, we love, we love Meryl Streep. Um, so we obviously introduced you at the start of the podcast here as an artistic director. So we will explain later on what that is exactly but what would you say is the toughest part about your job well um the toughest part about being an artistic director is trying to predict the future (laughs) you have to sort of um you have a responsibility to the art to to Mm. choose things that you believe in but you also have to choose pieces that you believe people will pay to see so the toughest part is finding the balance between, oh, I really, really love this play and would love to do it. And also people will pay to see it. Yeah. I think it's something that people forget about the industry that at the end of the day, it's an industry. It's a business. It is a business. We get show business, not show friends. No, no I wish it was show friends. But it's yes, so- it would be much lovelier if it was show friends. So lovely. But, but it is show business and we do have to balance that, yeah, that sure. priority. I think it's definitely something that's overlooked um, or forgotten about for some reason. Um, So I think it's good that you mentioned that. Um, Next one. What is one thing that you are looking forward to this year? Well, um, I'm looking forward to, to the industry reopening as I'm sure we are all aware. Everything has been shut down. Um, Theater in New York city has been shut down for over a year. Um, So I'm just really looking forward to uh, getting back into real live places again (laughs) i know and you guys are so far ahead of us in terms of like and everything like we're just we are way behind so you're gonna get back in sooner than us and i know for a fact i'm gonna be watching with like hawk eyes yeah (laughs) Um, but it's so nice that it's actually tangible for you like you can, it's so close. It is. It's it's still sort of. I mean, we've. It's it's a process. You know, the big Broadway houses are are still closed for mm-hmm. various reasons, um, but smaller theater venues off Broadway, off off Broadway, are um, are reopening. They're already actually open. Oh wow! Uh, but it's it, there's all sorts of rules and regulations you have to follow there's capacity limits nobody's operating at full capacity um but uh, it's still relieving to know that that it's that we're moving forward yeah it's so exciting <laughs> and last one what is one thing that you wish people understood about the industry or maybe a common misconception you hear um well, I would say the biggest uh, misconception um, is that it's not a real job. <laughs> um, the arts industries, not just performing artists, but artists of all kinds, uh, it's one of the only careers that's also a hobby mm. for a lot of people. And that's great. You know, the community theaters are, are, are wonderful, um, but it's 
it's sometimes um, an obstacle, you know, as, especially, you know, people are always, uh, people are always, people who aren't in the, in the entertainment industry, I should say. Um, it's just like this sort of nebulous thing of like, oh, you're an actor, you're in, you're, you're in a thing. That's because that's something that people do in their, in their leisure time. So the idea that, that it's a job <laughs> uh, is sometimes hard for for people to grasp um but or that or that it's always like always fun yeah you know because because it's something that people do to relax or to have fun people are like oh you're so lucky you must be happy all the time no sometimes it's terrible <laughs> sometimes it's really hard work and I don't want to go into my job any more than than you want to go into yours yeah. um and that's the difference that's the difference is that when it's your job, it's something that you have to do all the time, whether you want to or not. <laughs> um, but we are lucky. That's that's not to say we aren't lucky, but even people who love their job sometimes don't want to be there. <laughs> oh, for sure. And like, again, it's something people forget. They're like, oh, it's so easy. I'm like, nope. No. No, no, no. As an agent, you think you get told no many times? Think about how many times I get no. I have loads of clients, I have loads of actors, and I feel that. Mm. I feel every single no until we get a yes and then it's all worth it. Right. But it's the same way, like, and I think one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on in this season where I want to get, like, people who aren't necessarily front of camera on is to show that you can be involved and you can be in the arts industry, in the entertainment industry without being a quote-unquote actor. Mm-hmm. So... I think your job is very interesting. So let's move on to that. Sure. So you are an artistic director. Lots of people listening will ask the question, what is an artistic director? Okay. So generally speaking, uh, and this will vary from organization to to organization, but generally speaking, uh, the artistic director, uh, well, first of all, I should say, um, my position exists within the nonprofit sector, uh, which I'm not sure what that may equate to uh, where you are, but here in the USA, uh, the difference between a nonprofit organization, a nonprofit theater, uh, and a general uh, normal for-profit, uh, obviously, is um, we are considered a, um, a public service. So we, there's no owner. We don't have a, anybody, uh, a main producer who's looking to make a buck mm-hmm. off of a show. Um, any money that we take in goes directly back into the organization. So if we produce a show and it makes a million dollars, which hasn't happened for us, but if it did, well. um, <laughs> right, when it does, uh, that goes directly back into the organization to produce more more art. Uh, there's no there's no investors to pay. There's no um, production entity taking that profit. Uh, employees are paid. Each imposition has a salary, mm-hmm. uh, but there's nobody taking that excess profit and, and putting it in their bank account. So, uh, so, sorry, just to interrupt you there on the profit. Sure. Like with the actors then, 
would they be free actors, like not paid and then on a profit sharing scheme or are they still it, paid actors? It, it can vary. Um, but generally speaking, actors are paid a salary or a stipend depending on the project. Um, but it depends on what the, what the thing is, you know, um, for us, we do produce things that are volunteer. Uh, usually those are smaller things, readings, workshops, um, uh, Actors' Equity Association, which is the theatrical union here in the USA, um, has codes for that. There's 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 uh, read uh, twenty nine hour reading codes, uh, showcase codes um, uh, that cover those sorts of sorts of things. Um, and generally, there's like a travel stipend involved, so it doesn't cost people to participate. Uh, but those those um, those are generally for like smaller things that might you might be like uh, five days of rehearsal and then a reading or things like that that are generally sort of unpaid. Um, and then for a full production, uh, depending on the union contract, then there would be a, a weekly salary involved. Well. Yeah, I worked briefly in casting in Vancouver and obviously not America, but similar kind of um, things with all yeah. the like, legalities and everything, which was kind of alien to us because we don't really have it. Mm. So we need that. <laughs> we say it all the time. We need a proper union. Like we just need one. Um, but I do think it's great that there are those regulations for you guys because it protects actors. Like yeah. it protects their rights and like their livelihoods as well. Um, mm. So like obviously with union, non-union, all that jazz. So just for the, you guys listening at home, that's where the US and like say the Irish market would be very different is that unionization. We don't really have it. America has it <laughs> for sure. And um, so you essentially then try and find the shows to put on. Yeah. So then going back to the original question, sorry for the long explanation, but uh, yeah. So the artistic director of a nonprofit theater company guides the uh, basically the, the, the company on a path towards a spe specific artistic goal. Uh, to be a nonprofit theater company, you have to have a mission statement, which is your stated artistic purpose. And each company has a different, a different mission. Um, our specific mission at the drama company NYC is uh, to produce works that are socially relevant. So to us, that means things that uh, are necessary to be seen by American audiences uh, today, things that are relevant to the times that we are living in. So uh, the shows that we tend to produce are things that we feel as though uh, people need to see that people need to hear um, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be political in nature, but there's definitely some sort of broader uh, message in, in terms of the work. Um, that's, you know, not to say we don't, not everything is heavy. We do comedies and things like that, but um, there's usually something at the core in terms of uh, a broader appeal. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So then, so that's what, what, what I do. We have a team of people who, who read things um, to say, to point, put in, in my direction to say, okay, I read this. It fits our mission. It's well-written. You should take a look at it. And then I do. 
and um, we we go from there. I meet with with writers, uh, directors who have ideas about things. Um, sometimes I'll meet with a writer, and there's nothing really there that fits our mission, but I can tell the work is good, and so I'll say, you know, um, would you like to write something specifically for our mission? Is there a something that you've been dying to write about that nobody's given you the chance to write. And then we work with them to, to workshop that piece. Really interesting. So for writers then, because I know I have been asked the questions of like, I'm an aspiring writer. Like how do they catch your attention? Like what makes a good piece of writing? Well, that's very subjective in terms <laughs> of what makes a good piece of writing. But in terms of getting getting work seen, um, in t- so okay, so in terms of you, one first of all has to be realistic about expectations in terms of of opportunity, and um, companies like mine that are smaller that uh, are newer are more likely to accept your submission than a big company that's been around for a long time, even a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, you know, a company, and these are great companies, but big companies like um, here in New York City, the Manhattan Theater Club, Roundabout, uh, are generally not going to read unsolicited submissions um, unless they've, they have certain windows where they do sub- uh, accept those yeah. sorts of things. Um, but generally speaking, uh, they won't. And most companies will will list right on their web, website, you know, please do not send us unsolicited um, yeah. submissions just because they don't read them. <laughs> um, yeah, but, same thing for me. I'm like, please yeah. don't send me unsolicited yeah. applications. Right. I'm not looking at it. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's making sure that you're going about going about it the right way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, smaller companies like mine, we we accept submissions all the time. Every day we get submissions um, and we're happy to get them because, uh, you know, you never know, you know, who might be the next, mm. the next David Mamet, the next Sarah Rule, who knows? Um, so yeah, we, we love to get submissions unsolicited, send them to us, go ahead. Um, <laughs> but uh Festivals, uh, theater festivals are a, are a great way to um, to get your work out there, and uh, yeah, it's just really a matter of getting it in front of eyeballs. Yeah. And and which is easier said than done. Yeah, it is. It is hard. It's um, tough. It is. But again, like I, I always say to people, I was like, well, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Well, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to push. You have to be persistent and smart. And every yeah, I mean, and uh, everything is is hard. You know, even yeah. if you wanted to be a dentist, it's hard. But <laughs> you know, you just have to keep going. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's really it. It's just keep keep submitting the work uh, for writers, especially. I think. Um, I think uh, training is important. I think getting. Uh, a degree from from a from a writing program that specifically has, if if we're talking about playwriting or screenplay writing, um, that has connections to mm-hmm. the industry, um, I think is important. Uh, it doesn't matter where you go to school in terms of um, you know being an impress having an impressive school on your resume. That really doesn't matter so much uh, as much as it does for 
building those connections, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something uh, I think the world over in this industry is very important is building that network. It's absolutely important, especially, um, behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, for writers, for directors, even designers, uh, getting a foot in the door through an internship or uh, an apprenticeship, production assistance, any of those sort of entry-level things, which a lot of times if you go to the right uh, training program, school, Mm -hmm. college, what have you, uh, they will be able to open those doors to those entry-level positions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know I keep talking it back to the Irish element, but just for you guys listening, if you are looking to do kind of behind the scenes, a great college is IADT in Dunleary or, um, oh, what's the other one? And I will insert the other one because <laughs> it's escaped my mind. Um, but those would be great colleges and to look at if you did want to do more of the behind the scenes work. Um, so then like with you then, Andrew, how did we get to this point? Like, how did you get into the arts and then more importantly, get moved from mostly in front of the camera on stage to behind? Um, sure. So, I mean, I've been doing, I have been doing, theater since uh, as long as I can possibly remember um, I've been interested in the theater Uh, I have never wanted to do anything else in my whole life (laughs) Uh, so even from from a young age this is what I I wanted to do and so I started uh, doing what we call here in the the U.S. community theater Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what you folks call it there but yeah so I started doing plays locally musicals school shows things like that Um, and then, uh, you know, I just started training. I started taking classes when I was a middle schooler around the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, taking dance lessons and all of that. Um, and I never, yeah, I never really, I never really looked back from there. Uh, I left high school and went, came to New York. Uh, I grew up, uh, in Massachusetts, uh, which is on the Northeast coast of the USA. Um, no. It's a different state. Uh, near Boston. Boston. That Boston is in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I was like, yes. wait, which one is the state? <laughs> yes. Boston is the capital of Mass, but I'm I'm from a, uh, about an hour north of Boston oh, um, in Massachusetts. But I, I moved to New York City when I was 18. I went to school and I just uh, kept going from there. Um, wow. And like, I, I did like work movie. as an actor. What's that? <laughs> Sounds like a movie. Oh, yeah, n- not quite as interesting as a movie, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, I just started started acting right away. I I went to auditions and um, fast forward, I guess to that was two thousand two when I, and I moved here. Uh, fast forward to twenty eighteen, um, and I was still working. I actually had just finished a tour, uh, and I. <laughs> it's hard to, to to discuss the impetus of this without discussing the state of the commercial theater in the U.S., but um, without getting too uh, divergent, um, I was speaking with a friend about my uh, co-founder, uh, Sarah Larson, about 
sort of um, the state of things and what we were seeing and all these things, these great plays that I, I knew of from friends of mine who were writers or um, directors uh, that just couldn't get produced and how no one was producing these things. And um, we basically just decided to form our own company and produce them ourselves. Wow. And that's what we did. Um, we we formed uh, a corporation, a nonprofit theater company corporation through the state of New York. And uh, we that was in August of 2018. And we did our first staged reading in September of, of 2018. And oh, from wow. there, yeah, from there, we've just kept kept going. And um, here we are at 2021, and we're about to open our second uh, off-Broadway play. Uh, previews for that begin in actually a week from Wednesday on May uh, May 5th. Wow, that's cool. That is really, really cool. And I think that shows, like, sometimes you do have to create your own opportunity. Yeah, sometimes you do. And it's hard work, uh, but it can be done. Mm. And mostly it takes uh, perseverance and not giving up when things go bad. And they do go bad. Let me tell you, they go bad. (laughs) Yeah, they really do. It goes belly up. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you just have to have that perseverance and that grit. I think grit is so fundamental for every single person in the entertainment industry. It is. And, you know, people... um, Artists are, we are sensitive. We have a very soft uh, inner inner core, yeah. um, but you must have a thick skin. Yeah. You really do. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot psychologically to deal with because there's so much, um, there's so much disappointment. <laughs> it's really the only, the only word for it. Um, because even when things, you know, work out, they never quite work out exactly the way you think they might. Um, so it's really most mo- a lot about managing your expectations yeah. and and being being thankful for for what you've got, uh, and also being confident in your own in your own uh, skills. Absolutely. Yep. We've said time and time again, exactly what you've just said. And it's, it's funny that it's echoed from people all over the world and in all aspects of the industry, they say the same thing. Like you have to keep going, like you have to push. So you mentioned there that you have your second off Broadway production in previews next week, which congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you. Very exciting. Um, but explain to us, we know Broadway. Mm-hmm. I've heard of off Broadway. What is Off-Broadway? So, um, okay, so uh, Broadway is a specific designation of a type of theater. Uh, And in New York City, to be a Broadway theater, you have to be located within a certain geographical area. uh, And the theater has to be of a certain size. And, And there are other qualifications, union affiliation, and, and all of that. Um, but generally, 
It has to be 500 or more seats uh, and located between uh, 40th Street uh, and 65th Street and between uh, 6th Avenue and 9th Avenue to be considered a Broadway theater. Um, and then, as I said, there, there are other uh, determinations as well, union affiliation, et cetera. Um, and not every, there are theaters within that box that are, that fit the criteria that choose not to be, um, choose not to be Broadway theaters, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then basically uh, off Broadway doesn't fit into that, those parameters. So uh, off Broadway theaters are generally under 500 seats uh, and, and or not located within that geographical area. Mm -hmm. There are off-Broadway theaters within that geographical area that are um, smaller than 500 seats. Uh, there are, there are off-Broadway theaters that are larger than 500 seats that are just not in the right location. Um, but generally speaking, that's, those are the main differences between Broadway and off-Broadway. Um, Broadway is considered, you know, the epicenter of commercial theater in the U S and really if we're being honest, the world. Um, and whereas off-Broadway can be more experimental, you can take, generally speaking, uh, more risks off-Broadway. Uh, the costs are lower. Um, Off-Broadway uh, shows will cost, even a play, even a small play can cost upwards of $5 million um, to produce a, a, a one person play <laughs> in a small Broadway, in the smallest Broadway theater can still cost $5 million. Um, whereas, you know, off Broadway can be done for much, 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 much less. So it's just, it's um, more, more um, accessible in a sense. Um, a lot of folks start out off Broadway, uh, and but I mean, a lot of people, you know, there are there are uh, off Broadway really runs the gamut. You know, big big um, nonprofits who do shows on Broadway, such as Roundabout Theater Company, uh, which produced um, Tony winning revivals of, of Anything Goes on the 20th Century, um, have two off Broadway theaters as well, um, Manhattan Theater Club, um, which produced has produced hundreds of, of fantastic Broadway productions, um, has two off-Broadway theaters, uh, Second Stage has an off-Broadway and a Broadway house. Uh, and we're talking like, you know, Lincoln Center, um, off-Broadway. And, and I mean, uh, these are companies that hire A-list actors. I mean, off-Broadway, we're talking people from the likes of Patti LuPone uh, to Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Neil Patrick Harris have all worked at these places off Broadway. So really, it's just a difference of the ma of the matter of size of the theater and location. Yeah, and then when you hear of people going from off Broadway to Broadway, so say the likes of Hamilton that would have debuted off Broadway and then transitioned to Broadway, yeah. was that due to demand that they would have made that kind so of? Sometimes, uh, specifically with Hamilton, Hamilton uh, premiered at the Public Theater off Broadway, which is down in the uh, the Village um, here in New York City, and that show was pretty much <laughs> destined to go to Broadway before they even uh, the first audience even saw the show. Um, 
so the the public theater run was sort of used as a out of town what would yeah. otherwise be an out of town um but yes uh, other shows have moved from from off broadway to broadway uh because of of demand or because of um belief in in the work needs a wider audience um or that or you know a show will very often start at an off broadway nonprofit such as my company and then a commercial producer will say hey this could make a boatload of money and then come in and take the show to a commercial run on a broadway stage uh, there are nonprofit companies that do that do shows on broadway uh, i've already mentioned a lot of them but um they do produce produce shows on broadway and sometimes they will move their own shows from off broadway to broadway but that's that's usually not an instant transfer it usually takes a little while um but uh yeah it's all very interesting and i think it's it's definitely an area of the industry that we haven't really explored too much yet because primarily we focus on screen work but the fact of the matter is that stage is massive I grew up on stage. I love it. Like it was my first love. Um, so it's important that we kind of understand. And I, I do say to actors that they should be able to do the trifecta stage, screen, voice. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great goal to be able to do all three, to work in all three mediums. Um, it's a big, it's hard. <laughs> it is. It's, I mean, because it's uh, you see it all the time, especially here in the city with uh, big name Hollywood screen actors who come to New York to do theater. Yeah. Um, it's a different muscle. It's a different set of tools mm -hmm. and it takes uh, time to be able to sharpen those tools. Uh, so if, if that's a thing that you desire, then it's important to, to keep the muscle fresh uh, and let not let it atrophy uh, because acting on stage and acting on screen are not, um, not the same at all. Not at all. You'd think that they are, but they so are not. very, very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I absolutely harp on about it. No end. They are different muscles. Like you need to train for both. If you want to mm -hmm. do both, you got to train for both and you have to do specific training for both. Yeah. Um, so that kind of nicely leads on actually to the next kind of thing that I want to chat about of like many actors do want to make this move. They want to move to New York City. They see it, the big glitzy lights of Broadway, the showbiz, the glamour, glamour with bunny ears. But like for an actor moving to New York City, you did it. You've been there for 20 odd years now. Like what would your top tips be? Save money. <laughs> um, save money and save money. New York City is a very expensive place to live. You can never have enough money saved up before you move here. Um, so save money. Uh, that would be my first tip. The second tip is don't let money be an obstacle to your moving here because uh, even though it's very expensive to live, uh, you can make it if you want to make it. Um, then the third piece of advice is um, find a job. 
Yeah. Even if it's not necessarily in the entertainment industry, find a job. Uh, you got to work. <laughs> you got to do something to earn money um, while you're pursuing these things that you want to do. Um, you know, it's it's important to be able to pay the bills. And uh, <laughs> I've been very lucky. Yeah, I have been uh, very lucky in that I've been able to have great uh, non-theater jobs to support the work that I really want to be doing. Um, but it's important to do that. It's important to have that support. It's important to make sure that you that you are financially healthy. Um, and that's not to say you know that money is everything, but we all know that we got to live, right? <laughs> so um, making sure that you have that financial support for yourself is going to make your life uh, a lot less stressful. Making sure that, you know, you pay your rent and get food and buy your subway metro card and all of that. Um, having those priorities uh, taken care of um, will make the pursuit of the art easier for you. When you mentioned about the job, obviously, like non-theater jobs or non-acting jobs, what, because I think it is important that you find a job that is conducive with what you need and that's flexibility, like mm. you need that flexibility. So what kind of jobs would you, or did you have that were so great in seeking out the end goal to be employed full-time in the arts industry? Um, I've worked Everything from retail to childcare to to um, bartending. Um, it really just depends on the employer more than it does necessarily a specific industry. Um, but yeah, it's finding it's finding that employer who will be okay with you, you know, popping off for two or three months to to take a contract out of town, um, and then you know come back to your job Yay, uh, I'm back. <laughs> so uh restaurants are usually pretty good with that um but you know it's once again managing those expectations uh while a restaurant might say yeah sure come back when you get here in three months you know you come back three months later and business is slow and they don't have room for you um so it's just managing those managing those expectations but um if you really want to make it in the entertainment industry, then you really just have to be willing when it comes to your side job uh, to take whatever job comes, even if it's not a great job. Then, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not advocating for anybody being abused emotionally or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But, you know, if you got to sweep floors, you got to sweep floors. If you got to, you know, dishes. scrub toilets, then you got to scrub toilets. If, you know, it, it, there can't, you can't snub your nose to really any viable job where you are treated decently and paid well um, to, to do if, if, if this is what you really want to do, you yeah. got to roll up your sleeves and, and take what comes your way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no place for an ego. And I feel like that, that point comes back into every single episode. There's just no room. Like, no, go sweep the floors and go do the dishes. If that's exactly. what you really want to do and you want to be in the arts, then go and do that. Like, you it, can't be too good for anything. No, 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 no. Um, so then in terms of like for actors, like how important do you think it is for them to understand what goes on behind the scenes? 
I think it's very important. I think um, I think for actors, understanding the business side of the industry is super important um, because it helps with everything. You know, you you people tend to look at um, producers as like uh, these big towering monsters who only care about money, but there's, and that's true for some, but uh, most producers are in this because they love the work just as much as the actor does. Um, But understanding, you know, for an actor, understanding how the business side of things operates um, just makes you more aware of everything, you know, from contract negotiations to agent fees and and all of this um it it's just very important to know and it also just informs it just gives you a broader picture of of what it takes you know it's not just uh it takes so much to 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 put a before you know talking specifically about theater uh it takes so much to put a show together even as a producer there when i first started producing there were things i didn't I didn't know what they did. The general manager, the company manager, the there, there's so many positions that you don't even really think about as an actor. Mm. Um, stage manager, assistant stage manager, production stage manager, all three of which do different things. Um, but it's it's knowing knowing that um, just gives you such a, a greater perspective. Absolutely. No, I like 100% agree. Like, I often say to people, by the time you get in the room to do a casting, there's probably months, if not years of work done to that point. And that's why I think with actors, it's important to understand that and understand that this script or this production is the team's baby. Like it's literally their baby. So like engage with it, ask questions, be present, do it justice, because like you have no idea how many people, how much this means to so many people. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just something as like actors, they can kind of walk in the casting room and be like, I'm here. It's like, okay, that's cute. There's been a lot here before that. And so it's just respecting that side of things. Hmm. Um, So from the first season, guys, you will have known that I'm a big lover of actually actionable advice. We don't like to kind of talk at you. We like to talk to you. That's the whole point of this podcast. And so we have given quite a bit of advice here anyway, but we're going to go for a couple more because what the heck. So what advice would you give to yourself or someone in the same position as you five years ago? Well, um, let's see, 2021, 2019, 16. If I were to give advice to my 2016 self, well, this would be very specific to me, but no, I won't say that. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, generally speaking, uh, in terms of my my younger self, um, I would say don't give up. Mm. I would say keep going, keep working, um, keep trying. Was there ever a point that you wanted to just give up? Yes, yes, Uh an hour ago, I um, was wanted to give up. You, you want to give up all the time. Mm. Truthfully, you want to give up all the time because it's hard. It's really hard. And there's so many, you know, I'm a producer. I'm an artistic director at this point. There's so many things um, 
that that we have to juggle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just go, you know, why? <laughs> why, why, why am I doing this? Why I could be a teacher and my life would be so much simpler. I mean, not that teachers have it easy. Teachers don't have it easy. Teachers are great and they work very hard. But <laughs> in the moment, you're, you know, you're just like, why couldn't I, why couldn't I have gone to medical school? <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, why happens. couldn't I have chosen a clear path? Right. This is how we move forward. Right. This is what you do. There's no rule yeah. book. No. And it's, 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 it's tough because, you know, um, there's just so many variables that are beyond your control. Mm-hmm. And that's another important thing to remember is that there's so much about this business that you have no control over. There's certain things that you can, you know, control. You, you can control yourself. You can control how prepared you are. Uh, you can control the training you get to a certain extent. Um, but there's so many other things that you have just no no control over and it can be very frustrating and there's a lot of there's there's a lot of failure Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's a matter of of picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and and continuing down the path um because there are successes along the way you know and the successes are great and they make you feel validated and they they um they make all the falling down worth it. Yeah. In the it's, end. That, it's that one yes you get for every 20 no's. And you forget right. about the no's. You forget about them because this yes is so sweet. It's so lovely. Yeah. It's so amazing. And um, yeah. so no, I, I hear you there. So then moving on from that, like that's what you would tell your younger self. But what has been the piece of advice that you have received that's really stuck with you throughout your journey? I mean, honestly, that, that was it. Um, I remember, I can't remember who it was, uh, but I saw, oh, okay. So when I was in high school, before I even moved to New York City, I saw uh, a touring production of Miss Saigon in Boston. And um, I I remember, it's a great show. One of my faves. Yeah, me too. Uh, But I remember afterwards, we went to a talk back with some of the actors and um, I remember one of the, the dancers said, uh, I'm here because I kept going to auditions even when I wasn't getting cast. And she said, uh, I remember her saying, you know, there are so many of my friends that I went to school with, that I went to got a BFA with, um, that I was training with who were way more talented than me, who were better dancers, better singers, better actors. And I'm working today and they're not because they gave up and they went home. Mm. And um, I'm here because even though I kept get to, uh, getting told no over and over again, I kept showing up. And um, I always remember that. I always remember that that you can't, you, you know, you can't, um, be given an opportunity if you don't show up and ask for it. Yeah. You know, you can't be given a chance if you don't try, you know, (laughs) you have to, you have to stick with it and keep going. And that's not to say, you know, you have to do the work, you know, I think, um, I think training is very important even beyond college. 
Um, I tell people all the time to take classes, not, you know, not just, not just college, but even once you, once you're out of, of university, you still need to train. You still need to take those acting classes, dance classes, voice lessons. Um, you know, Bernadette Peters still takes voice lessons. She's 70 years old and she still takes voice lessons. Amazing. That's amazing. But it's, it's going back to that point that we said at the very start here, that it's a muscle. Mm. The same way you go to the gym to build muscle. If you stop going to the gym, you're going to lose it. And that first session back is going to hurt. Yes. Exact same way as if you're going to a bunch of castings and for instance, the pandemic hits and we don't get to go to castings. We don't get to get in the room. If we don't train during that period, that first audition back is going to hurt big Mm. time. Like you have to keep training. I'm a massive advocate for that. And I'm glad you say it because it shows that I'm not mental. (laughs) No, not about this. At least I can't speak for Uh, some other things probably, but for (laughs) this one, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's very important to keep taking those classes, especially, you know, audition prep classes. Auditioning is really hard. And I would say probably 60% of the people who come in and audition for me do it wrong. (laughs) So, you know, take those classes, folks. It's, it's no joke. Take them. Yeah. So the last question I'll ask you, and it actually leads nicely on, what would you say for those 60% of people that do it wrong? What is the one thing that actors can do to do it right? Okay, so I'm going to say it's, it's two things. Thing. Yeah, it's there's there's a couple of things. The first thing is it starts with the material. Mm. Make sure that you're choosing the right material. Um, people, I see people all the time just choosing audition monologues or songs that are just not they're just not right for them. Whether it's too vocally demanding or it's not the right age or the right or the right um, character type. And I'm not a big fan of typecasting. But there's a difference between, oh, this is a little stretch and this is not right at all. Um, so it's really knowing that the material that you're doing is something that you could viably be cast as. You should really never be doing anything for an audition that you could never do in real life, even if it's a great monologue or a great song. Because if you go in and sing this great song and it's a role that you could never ever do that's literally all we're thinking about the whole time is why did you choose this this is not this is all wrong and it just it doesn't it doesn't play well Um, and same thing about age appropriateness people don't think that matters but choosing material that's age appropriate is very important Um, you know it's okay to do something that's maybe a little younger than you but I, I always discourage people from you know, if you're 20 doing a monologue for a 35-year-old person, it's, you just don't have the life experience to bring to that. Like, (laughs) Um, I love the song, Me in the Sky from Come From Away, but it's a 40-year-old woman singing it, so it wouldn't really make much sense for me to sing it, as much as I love it. Right. Bring audition right. just doesn't make sense. You can bring it out again in 10, 15 years. Yeah, or a karaoke night. I can do it there. Right. But like karaoke not in an audition. <laughs> no, not in an audition. And then the other piece of it is um, walking into the room and and owning it. You know, uh, if you walk in and, and the entire time it feels like you're asking us for permission 
to perform, um, we're not going to cast you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's having that, that's not to say to be cocky either, but you know, the, the best auditions are the ones that feel like you already have the job and you're performing for us. Uh, and it's very important to, um, to have, to give that, to give that feeling of, of performing, you know, an audition is a performance. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, thank you so much. Like there's just oodles of info in this podcast. So guys, you need to be very grateful to Andrew for taking his time, for giving us all this information because New York is an exciting place. And for a lot of people wanting to do theater in particular, it's where you want to be. It's where you want to, or maybe you want to, maybe someone else doesn't, but if you want to aim to be there, this information is invaluable from someone working on the ground has been there for 20 years, knows what's up. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So if people, do you have a presence on social? Like, do you? Yeah, so you can follow us. Uh, the, my company, the Drama Company NYC is on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Our Instagram is at tdc.nyc. Uh, and if you are in New York City and you want to come see us, uh, our off-Broadway production of uh, Lilies or the revival of a romantic drama begins previews on May 5th. That's so exciting. I am going to be over. Caleb, our musical theater coach for Take Two, is harassing me to get over to New York. <laughs> I'm like, you know, buddy, we are in a global pandemic. Right, like, right. Like, but as soon as I'm able, I am literally cross. I can't wait to get over to New York. I'm so excited for it. So I will hit you up then and come and see right. productions we'll of whatever you're doing at that time. So guys, thank you all so much for listening. Welcome back to the Take Two Agency podcast for season two. And if you want to follow us, we are on TikTok and Instagram at Take Two Actors Agency. And so if you're interested in that or any of the classes that we do offer as well, you can find all information on our Instagram or our website at, no, what is their website? www.take2agency.com. Um, but thank you for listening, Andrew. Thank you for giving us all your insight and your wisdom to New York. Um, You're welcome. And we will catch you all in the next one. See you later, guys.